Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, live at 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, only on Red State Talk Radio. Today is July 24th, 2019, and the highly awaited um, Mueller hearing happened, right? Pretty incredible. Um, It's crazy. Welcome. And let's see if Mueller can remember just a few things like... Who appointed him uh, as U.S. attorney in Massachusetts, you know, when he did all those crimes? I don't know. Maybe he'll say Bush, but it was really Reagan. Yes, it was. It was Reagan. But, uh, you know, maybe I'm a time traveler and I know exactly what he's going to say because you know what time it is now. So let's just pay attention. Past always proves future and sometimes the future knows the past. So... There's a lot we should be talking about today, and we're going to focus on uh, the Mueller hearings just a little bit uh, because I have to sit down and listen to all of those. But there were some interesting things this morning that I was listening to, uh, but I will like to make an observation first. Mueller looked like he was on something, and I'm not saying like he was high or anything. I'm saying like medicated. He seemed really off his game Uh, He seemed mm, senile. Uh, He didn't remember a lot of things. He didn't know a lot of things. He was refusing to answer a lot of things. And I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but uh, while I was watching and listening, I was taking notes. And for some reason, it looped back to Garcia. So there's something that must have been amiss that we don't know about. I'm just saying that maybe... I spaced out watching it and taking notes, but it was it was pretty weird for me. I don't know if anyone else saw that because the Garcia comments on Roger Stone and WikiLeaks, I heard five minutes before they played again. So it was really weird because I was kind of like, who is this chick? Um, why is she talking? And what kind of stupid question is that? Uh, so I, I just wanted to point that out it could have just been me spacing out you know it's Wednesday it's hump day and you know I'm busy planning for my week upcoming week Um, I had I can share with you that I had an amazing phone call uh, with my daughter she had her soldier ceremony um, with the U.S. Army where she completed the last phase of training which is the forge And um, she was able to call me. And that phone call was kind of, you know, the usual mom phone call, which was, hey, when you come, you need to bring coffee and tons of food that's off post, please. Uh, So (laughs) it was more mom, I need this. Uh, And what I need to get her before she goes to training. So I'm really excited. I'm a super proud mom. I mean, yeah, she didn't join the Navy like, uh, you know, me and my sibling did, but... (laughs) 
it's still serving your country. And I'm very proud to be a child of immigrants. Okay, I'm first generation. My parents were fresh off the boat. Um, and they became American citizens after that. So, uh, you know, it's I, I'm really proud. They They came here, they assimilated, they raised children to love this country. And now I've raised children, even though both my children were born abroad, right? Uh, American citizens born abroad, uh, they love this country like nobody's business. And I really hope uh, that we see more of that. I watched Turning Point USA yesterday, saw what was going on. And you know what I thought to myself? Okay, maybe it's just me, right? And maybe it's because I have like a... um, a child that loves politics. Uh, but my, my 13 year old is really involved. Uh, and she tries to discuss policies. And you know, if you ask her like, why are you so into this? You're like 13. You just lost all your baby teeth. You know, what are you doing? She'll say, Hey, well, somebody has got to talk about it because these adults are making decisions for us. And it seems that they're not, you know, very well-minded, you know, and in a sense, I'm like, oh, well, that's a kind of an insult. But on the other hand, I kind of agree with her. And I'm seeing that children that are under the age of 15, so we're talking between, you know, where they can actually formulate opinions, I would guess tweeny age, like 11 to 15, they're all very hardcore conservatives. They're tired of political correctness. Uh, They're that gap, uh, you know, that they didn't fill. They're the ones that weren't ushered into gender neutrality and watching your words and everybody gets a trophy. They were on that cusp where they all competed, but then suddenly everybody got a trophy and they're like, well, that's not right. Cause they got a taste of both. Right. So that generation, so we're talking what 2005 to like what 2010, that five year group was in that transition phase. I guess, you know, those that were born during that period of time and they have a lot to say and they're very strong minded. Uh, you know, I see it with her friends that are not, you know, what one would say, <clears throat> white supremacists. They all come from all walks of life. Um, and, you know, we're in like North Dakota. This is like conservative country. Guys, totally not. We are importing refugees like crazy. Here they are fluffier than, you know, cotton, uh, so much political correctness. And the weird part is, is that North Dakota is like, uh, they have this thing called North Dakota Nice. <laughs> and there's a website called M- M-U-H, North Dakota Nice. You should Google. It's really funny. It has parodies. But anyway, they like to sweep things under the carpet. They don't like to talk about things. So if something nasty happens, they won't call it out. They prefer like, oh, yeah, we don't talk about that, you know, kind of thing. So they are the most vulnerable to be ushered into this whole mentality of let's, um, you know, be more politically correct. They don't like people that are straightforward because that's not their culture. So it's a very... Mm, False conservative state makes sense. Anyway, so let's talk a little bit about the Mueller hearing. Okay, let's just um, you know recap. I'm going to tell you what I really liked. I really liked the fact that Mueller looked really off his game, which means that he's in a lot of trouble. His body language told me that he is in a lot of trouble. Um, 
And that would be coupled with something weird that I stumbled upon. So there was an article put out about Scaramucci and how he was at the White House for 11 days and blah, blah, blah. And in that article, guys, uh, you know, they were saying a few things like, oh, maybe, you know, he was Comey's, you know, mole or whatever. But I saw something weird when I clicked on that article. There was a tweet from Rod Rosenstein. I don't know if you guys saw it, and I'm going to retweet it right now on Twitter. If you're not following me, it's at Tor underscore says. That's T-O-R-E underscore S-A-Y-S. So basically, um, he responded to that article because that article said that he went to Harvard, that Scaramucci went to Harvard with um, Rod Rosenstein. So I was kind of like, okay, this is weird. Uh, So he went with him. Uh Uh-huh. So what was Rod Rosenstein's response is the big deal here. And um, I'm looking for it on Twitter. And did he delete it? Um, I think he did. So let me, it's a good thing we do screenshots, right, guys? That's crazy. So he said that basically he quoted something along the line, you know, Fedris. And it was more things aren't what they seem, which was, which gave me an aha moment. I was like, um, what? Why would Rod Rosenstein tweet something like that? Why would he say, uh, you know, things aren't what they seem, you know, when he responded to that? I was a little bit concerned and I'm looking for this tweet of his. Did you guys see it? If anyone has it, just DM it to me. But I'm kind of shocked that he tweeted that. And I'm kind of shocked that I can't find it. Was thinking, do you guys think that he deleted it? That would be really weird. Okay, so his tweet said, things are not always what they seem. The first appearance deceives many. The intelligence of a few perceives what has been carefully hidden. Now that, guys... When Phaedrus said that in Plato, he was trying to say that, you know, um, you know, I do love my ancient Greek tragedies and writings. I'm actually a very big fan of uh, Thucydides. Um, Not a lot of people refer to him. He was a historian and he had a very specific way of writing, which was using two T's instead of the X for the sound. It's just really weird. Anyway. He said this, Phaedrus said this when Plato wrote it um, to demonstrate that there's always a charade going on for the mass population, um, not to deceive, but to protect uh, them from knowing those that they are actually trying to deceive. So like, I'm going to say, oh yeah, you know, um, I don't know, like President Trump is like, yeah, everything's great. We're doing this. And in reality, you know, they are 
interrogating. They are looking for things. They are investigating the very people that are supposed to be protecting the people he's telling everyone is okay. So they're deceiving a crowd uh, to protect them because there's really something else going on that is of danger to them. And only a few people can see that what they're saying is being said to protect them because in reality they're in danger. Get it? So that was a really odd um, tweet for Rod Rosenstein to put out. Um, a lot of people I saw from where it was put, um, you know, where it was like, hey, what do you think? Uh, we're like, hey, are you like a white hat or a black hat? I'm a little bit, you know, confused. I don't know what to make of it. Or are you just a gray hat? And that's a question that many uh, people had. Now, he tweeted this on the 22nd of July. And I don't. Yeah. okay, I just found it. Um, And I'm going to retweet it. It was at the top. It seemed like it was deleted. What was weird is if you look at the comments and there's only like 296 comments to this, they're all along the same lines, Uh, you know. What are you posing? Are you the good guy? What's this? And, you know, they have all these memes saying that I once ran a sting operation this big. You know, they're pretty cute. Um, And then the reason I'm bringing this up is we heard a lot of questions about Rod Rosenstein today, right? We heard a lot of them. It was kind of like, so... um, when you it was on the 12th of May that you spoke with Rod Rosenstein wasn't it Mueller and how many times did you talk to him before you were appointed Spencer counsel uh, so first he's like hey did you speak with um special counsel on May 12th um they asked Mueller he's like oh, I don't know I mean if it's in the report they're like well evidence says you did yeah okay well did you discuss about uh the appointment of a special counsel with the DAG um well uh I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You don't recall or you don't have knowledge of? I don't have knowledge of. Okay. And then he's told, well, we have evidence that says that was a discussion. And Mueller just looked at him kind of dazed. So then he goes, okay. And then you met again here. And then you met again there. And then you met with the president of the United States. Were all these times, did you discuss special counsel? Uh, I don't have knowledge was the response. It's not, I can't, it's not, I don't recall it's I don't have knowledge so wait a minute are you saying that you don't have knowledge of the conversation that you were a part of or so that was really weird and that was the conversations he had with Rod Rosenstein before he was appointed special counsel now he was also asked about his meeting with the president day before special counsel appointment and asked hey were you like going up for the FBI director position and The thing is, right before he did that question, he stopped and he was like, listen, you know, I was the FBI director for two terms. And it's like, we already know that you were a very corrupt one. So, hey, and you had a very overextended stay more than 10 years than what is allowed by law because Obama wanted you to stay on longer. So, okay, fair enough, you know. You're saying you didn't apply for FBI director right after that statement. Oh, yeah, you know, I was FBI director. Now, okay, well, then tell us, did you discuss about going up for the job of FBI director? Um, uh, I don't have knowledge of that. And that was right before. So Rod Rosenstein probably gave evidence because apparently they have evidence, not testimony, evidence. Evidence. 
evidence that they discussed the special counsel appointment evidence. He didn't say, oh, we have on the record or we have testimony. They said the word evidence. What? Oh, that's pretty quick. Now, one thing that I noticed is that the, um, the Democrats that were asking questions had a new talking point that's going to fill our airwaves, TVs, print. It's called obstruction episodes. Okay. This is a new term. Okay. Obstruction episodes. So they were talking about obstruction and obstruction of justice. And there were five obstruction episodes. You know, that's really creative, right? And, you know, and I really like the fact that someone called him out and said, you had a very creative legal analysis, right? So I was kind of like, all right, um, very well. Um, this testimony was the most incredible that I've seen. Not so much because his body language, I'll tell you what his body language said. If, if I didn't, if I wasn't able to see his hands or his feet, I would have a hundred percent just from the way he carried himself and his shoulders and the way he leaned over to answer the questions would have said he was handcuffed. He was bound. So, you know, we as human beings, we express how we feel or what is really going on with our body. So, you know, when I'm self-conscious because I'm overweight and I'm constantly tugging on my shirt, um, you know, even though it's not exposing anything or whatever, it's because I am feeling uncomfortable or I don't feel confident, right? You see it all the time when people don't feel confident and they sit on a couch. The first thing they do is what? Grab a pillow. So they put it in front of themselves to create this wall so people can't see them. That's like, this is, you know, this is like observation, human observation 101. I've been very well um, versed in this for a very long chunk of my life because when you're asking people questions especially in a foreign language not only do you need to understand the basic human movement to understand when they're uncomfortable when they're being deceptive or whatever but you also have to understand the cultural nuances that go into that movement so Mueller being a uh, a person that was raised in the United States of America, though exposed to various cultural influences and having a career in which people he's interviewed and prosecuted, you know, usually are with their hands tied and their feet bound, his shoulders and his face when responding or looking were that of what he's been having across from him from every single person he's arrested he literally his body language told us that he was under arrest and um full duress and that uh was just his body now his speech He's normally slow, you guys. He normally does talk like that. He has like um, a speech thing that he does. Not a lot of people know this. Having, you know, been in the same room with him before in my lifetime, I could tell you he has this like speech thing and um, he does not come off nice. Uh, I don't see how some people might see him as sympathetic. He's totally not. He's like John Bolton to me. John Bolton, and I've said this before, is one of those people that give me the heebie-jeebies. Not because, you know, uh, he's like, you know, 
hiding behind that smile and mustache. His cheeks may pop up when he smiles, but behind it, it's like this vicious like jaguar with like teeth and nails, you know? Uh, And that's what's scary because his facial expression hides a very nefarious back. And Mueller, uh, even though he... um, is very good usually at controlling his expressions. Uh, Today, it showed someone completely broken and uh, mentally impaired. Not saying that he's like mentally retarded or anything, but I'm telling you, he was probably, you know, pumping some Xanax to be relaxed because he was probably stressed. Um, And so be it that he'd be stressed, which allowed us to see a lot more than what he was saying. So um, he was asked... Right. Hey, does President Trump have the right to fire you? And his response was, yes. You know, so then he said, were you fired? No. Were you able to complete your investigation? Yes. So how, you know, did the president obstruct justice in reference to you if he didn't fire you? You know, how is it obstruction of justice if he said it, if he has the legal right to do it? So he has a legal right. And he said, yes, he does. But, you know, we have to, like, examine. This is the interpretation part, right? So he needed to cover for that. Um, he needed to cover for the fact that he considered that uh, um, a notion of obstruction of justice. And, you know, what, what the Democrats are now calling obstruction episodes, <laughs> which is ridiculous. So this guy sat there to try to say yeah but we have to like interpret it I don't know how this go okay whatever he seemed to have that lucid moment at that point where you saw the real Mueller when he responded to that um you know he was then asked you know how many people he fired Okay, and this was done by uh, Kelly Armstrong of North Dakota. Now, I contacted my congressman and said and I asked him uh, to ask certain questions, but he crushed it. I think he did one of the best questioning, which was, you know, how many people did you fire? And, you know, again, Mueller forgot, you know, he's the guy that wrote the report, doesn't remember how many reports or what he wrote, uh, but he was like, I don't know. He's like, I'll tell you. There's attorney two and Peter Schrock. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, um, sure, yeah. Okay. He was like, so um, tell us, like, you know, why did you fire him? Was it because, you know, it indicated that there was no independence in the investigation or that it was tainted? Tell you what, guys, it wasn't. Uh, The reason he was fired was because there was an unmasking of him and his father that, you know, I can actually take credit for it because I wrote the Peter Strzok article where I exposed him being raised in Iran. But the reason I did that was not to show that Peter Strzok was raised in Iran and he speaks Farsi and, you know, is a Middle Eastern crony. It was the fact that I was exposing that his father is also CIA and that Peter Strzok, the, the, you know, Peter Strzok, the senior, right. And Peter Strzok Jr. were both CIA. He was never FBI. People don't seem to understand that people think, Oh, he was in the counterintelligence division or counterterrorism or whatever BS they push and pedal to you in the FBI. No, he was CIA first. That was his assignment for that position. Like Comey CIA first, then, you know, he, he went into U.S. attorney for like less than two years and suddenly he became acting attorney general. That's how you move assets. That's how you have covert persons. And the reason he was fired and Weissman and notes that I have 
indicate that right after that article, it took them literally two weeks to fire Strzok and their meetings were redacted under Section 7, D, C, and E. And those sections clearly refer to unmasking, jeopardizing an asset, or, you know, doing something with intelligence that exposes things. And what I exposed was Iran was set up by Peter Strzok Sr. And Peter Strzok Sr. also worked with Hillary Clinton with her Haiti foundations. I also noted that Peter Strzok Sr. had torn down a whole government in Africa, whole country, and then rebooted it with another name. These are who the Strzoks are. These are who the people that were supposedly investigating Hillary Clinton's email. People that have destroyed nations made them change their name. So it's like Peter Strzok Sr. walked in and said, hey, Ghana, what's up? Tears it down and says, now you're called Water Bottle and the new country is Water Bottle. That is exactly what he did. So this was the point. He wasn't fired because they were worried about perception because Kelly Armstrong demonstrated that perfectly, perfectly. He's like, well, you had Weissman who was like working, who was at Hillary Clinton's party working for you. Like, doesn't that give the impression, mm, you know, Mueller shrugged it. Oh, well, you know, you had him called the uh, Dad Gates applauding Hillary Clinton for defying POTUS. Uh, you had Gina Ree, uh, you know, she was actually representing Hillary Clinton while she was Secretary of State as her counsel for deleting emails and all this stuff or for moving her emails. Justin Cooper, who destroyed her devices, was on the Mueller team. So Kelly Armstrong made a valid point. Dude. The law doesn't say that, um, you know, um, 528, the, the section that he cited, doesn't say that you should, you know, make sure that there's no, you know, political, you know, f- f- that it doesn't, um, that there isn't any political interest. It says that you shouldn't make it look like it's politically motivated. Right now, you've got over 50% of your staff that are all Clintonites, that were all working with her at some point. Some destroyed her devices. Some of them, what else did they do? Cover for her on her emails, go to her party because they thought she would win, donated tens of thousands of dollars yet you didn't follow the law because the job of you is to make sure that there's no portrayal that it looks politically motivated because if the shoe was on the other foot guys and Mueller had a team of over 50 percent being trumpers right being trumpers complete trumpers guess what would be happening and he said it your team would be here by the Democrats being grilled for being Trump supporters. You would be annihilated and they would say, we can't trust this report. This is what we're doing. How can we trust a report when you have all these people that were covering up for Hillary Clinton? We'll pick this up right after the break. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, 
go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. MyPillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable MyPillow is with its patented interlocking fill. MyPillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam sounds great right even better your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease if you're a u.s citizen between 50 and 80 you can get life insurance guaranteed It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So let's just continue a little bit more on Mueller before we hop to really hot topics, okay? Uh, Topics that no one's going to be talking about because they're going to be talking about the charade of this Mueller hearing, which was complete rubbish. He didn't answer any questions. He did not recall only. He didn't have knowledge of, and he couldn't talk about. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't, right? Um, So Kelly Armstrong did a really great job, and I'm hoping that his, uh, you know, staff actually um you know uh do a clip of it because that was pretty incredible you know um because indeed like we said before the break uh if indeed Mueller had a team of all trump supporting people trump supporting lawyers trump supporting everything right he would have been scrutinized for that so that is what you know we need to uh focus on now i have to say uh there's a few clips that i want to play so um first one is ratcliffe i i want you guys to listen to this because it was it was pretty awesome uh because he made it clear what the law is and the law is not the special counsel's job to determine if he's innocent or not and i'll say this uh it's 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 very frustrating that the people that actually do audits or investigations can't make recommendations. They can't. They uh, they they can infer recommendations or say uh, in my opinion, but they're not officially allowed to. And I know this because my state auditor here has found discrepancies of millions and millions of dollars, felonious activities with federal and state tax dollars, and all he could do is report. He can only put the report together. He can't ask for prosecution. It's up to the people in charge of prosecution to do so. So take a listen to what he says. 
The special counsel's job, nowhere does it say that you were to conclusively determine Donald Trump's innocence or that the special counsel report should determine whether or not to exonerate him. It's not in any of the documents. It's not in your appointment order. It's not in the special counsel regulations. It's not in the OLC opinions. It's not in the justice manual. And it's not in the principles of federal prosecution. Nowhere do those words appear together because respectfully, respectfully, Director, it was not the special counsel's job to conclusively determine Donald Trump's innocence or to exonerate him because the bedrock principle of our justice system is a presumption of innocence. It exists for everyone. Everyone is entitled to it, including sitting presidents. And because there is a presumption of innocence, prosecutors never, ever need to conclusively determine it. Now, Director, the special counsel applied this inverted burden of proof that I can't find and you said doesn't exist anywhere in the department policies and you used it to write a report and the very first line of your report the very first line of your report says and you as you read this morning it authorizes the special counsel to provide the attorney general with a confidential report explaining the prosecution or declination decisions reached by the special counsel that's the very first word of your report right that's correct here's the problem director the special counsel didn't do that on volume one, you did. On volume two, with respect to potential obstruction of justice, the special counsel made neither a prosecution decision or a declination decision. You made no decision. You told us this morning and in your report that you made no determination. So respectfully, director, you didn't follow the special counsel regulations. It clearly says write a confidential report about decisions reached. Nowhere in here does it say write a report about decisions that weren't reached. You wrote 180 pages, 180 pages about decisions that weren't reached, about potential crimes that weren't charged or decided. Yeah, sounds like political motivation, right, guys? Uh, that was incredible. Why would you go write 180 pages of things that, weren't crimes that pretend you know that you never came to a conclusion it's like me writing up a report on my research that says well this well, no conclusion i'm just writing it up just done <laughs> it's it's incredible it's super incredible now jim jordan knocked it out of the park totally love this because this is exactly what i sent almost every single representative that I knew would have the cojones to ask. And that was about the Russians, the Russian that don't exist, that no one knows. And like I've told you again and again and again, their indictment went to a division of our government sent there to die because they don't exist. But, you know, nobody, nobody, nobody said, hey, how do you indict these Russians? I think because I missed it. So if I'm wrong, someone tell me. Because the question would have been, how did you conclude that these Russians did it? Did you get the server? Um, and if he said no, then what did you do? I used a CrowdStrike report. CrowdStrike isn't a verified vendor. Ergo, in the court of law, it would be thrown out. It's not something that you can base an investigation in. And these Russians walk out. Now, if he said yes, the next question would be, was it an image server or the actual server? But I've already reported to you how Perkins Coy, and this is from last year that I reported to you, were the ones that disallowed the FBI and anyone 
to get their hands on the DNC exchange server. They are the ones that denied it. And not only that, they, they gave imaged portions if asked. And there was a U.S., a former U.S. attorney on Chris Berg's show. And as a watcher and a fan, as a friend and everything, I submitted a question. You know, image servers means that I selectively choose what I give you. I mean, you know, how do you say that? And the guy literally said, well, you know, an image server is something they can do. And it can be treated like it's the actual server. What? No. Okay, so let's take a listen to Jim Jordan quick. The gentleman from Ohio. Director, the FBI interviewed Joseph Mifsud on February 10th, 2017. In that interview, Mr. Mifsud lied. You point this out on page 193, volume 1, Mifsud denied. Mifsud also falsely stated. In addition, Mifsud omitted. Three times he lied to the FBI, yet you didn't charge him with the crime. Excuse me, did you say one, I'm sorry, did you say 193? Volume 1, 193. He lied three times, you pointed out in the report. Why didn't you charge him with the crime? I can't get into uh, internal deliberations with regard to who would or would not be. Uh, charge a lot uh, of other people for making false statements. Let's remember this. Let's remember this. In 2016, the FBI did something they probably haven't done before. They spied on two American citizens associated with a presidential campaign, George Papadopoulos and Carter Page. With Carter Page, they went to the FISA court. They used the now famous dossier as part of the reason they were able to get the warrant and spy on Carter Page for a better part of a year. With Mr. Papadopoulos, they didn't go to the court. They used human sources. All kinds of, from about the moment Papadopoulos joins the Trump campaign, you got all these people all around the world starting to swirl around him. Names like Halp, Downer, Mifsud, Thompson, meeting in Rome, London, all kinds of places. The FBI even sent even sent a lady posing as somebody else, went by the name Azra Turk, even dispatched her to London to spy on Mr. Papadopoulos. In one of these meetings, Mr. Papadopoulos is talking to a foreign diplomat, and he tells the diplomat, Russians have dirt on Clinton. That diplomat then contacts the FBI, and the FBI opens an investigation based on that fact. You point this out on page one of the report. July 31st, 2016, they open the investigation based on that piece of information. Diplomat tells Papadopoulos, Russians have dirt, excuse me, Papadopoulos tells the diplomat, Russians have dirt on Clinton. Diplomat tells the FBI, what I'm wondering is, who told Papadopoulos? How'd he find out? I can't get into the evidentiary file. Yes, you can, because you wrote about it. You gave us the answer. Page 192 of the report, you tell us who told him. Joseph Mifsud. Joseph Mifsud. I can't tell you, but you already put it in the report. The guy who told Papadopoulos, the mysterious professor who lives in Rome and London, works at teaching two different universities. This is the guy who told Papadopoulos. He's the guy who starts it all. And when the FBI interviews him, he lies three times. And yet you don't charge him with a crime. You charge Rick Gates for false statements. You charge Paul Manafort for false statements. You charge Michael Cohen with false statements. You charge Michael Flynn, a three-star general, with false statements. But the guy who puts the country through this whole saga starts it all for three years we've lived this now. He lies, and you guys don't charge him. Not only don't, as to why. Not only don't they charge him, but he's hiding out in Italy, and nobody's asking him questions, okay? So that's what's incredible.
And before I play the rest of this, I want you guys to remember that Mueller uh, only allows people to leave when they're assets. So I'm going to draw attention to George Nader. George Nader knew that after he left, even though his lawyer said he didn't flee, this is all rubbish, nothing, blah, blah, blah. He must have come back because there was a deal. And the thing is, because he's hiding out in Saudi Arabia and the crown prince is like, yo, Trump is my homie. I'm going to deport you and I'm going to take you to him because this is what's happening. Nader worked out a deal. The question that I want from Nader answered, and I'm putting this out there, and I'm sure all of us should contact our people, our congresspersons to ask is, what deal did George Nader cut with Mueller when he came in to be questioned? They had already found that he had child pornography with him. What deal? Because if you saw, he was charged for bringing in a minor at some point. But no, you know, references to the other times and in the past where he was tried, but then... The charges kind of went away, right, for having child pornography and dealing with children. And we're talking from the 80s. We're talking in the 90s. So we need to ask Mueller questions to these people, too. Not only Miss Fudd when they hand him over, which, by the way, Salvini is in some hot water because of this, because the U.K. is not having it. You know, they're not. So I just want to point that out. Listen to what he says. Well, I can't get into it. And... Uh... And it's obvious, I think, that we can't get into charging decisions. When the FBI interviewed him in February, FBI interviews him in February, when the special counsel's office interviewed Mifsud, did he lie to you guys? Can't get into that. Did you interview Mifsud? Can't get into that. Is Mifsud Western intelligence can't or Russian intelligence? Can't get into that. A lot of things you can't get into. What's interesting, you can charge 13 Russians no one's ever heard of. Here we go. No one's ever seen. No one's ever going to hear of them. No one's ever going to see them. You can charge them. You can charge all kinds of people who are around the president with false statements. But the guy who launches every, the guy who puts this whole story in motion, you can't charge him. I think that's amazing. I'm not certain I I, I agree with your characterizations. Well, I'm reading from your report. Mifsud told Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos tells the diplomat. The diplomat tells the FBI. The FBI opens the investigation July 31st, 2016. And here we are three years later, July of 2019. The country's been put through this. And the central figure who launches it all lies to us. And you guys don't hunt him down and interview him again. And he's hiding in Italy. You don't charge him with a crime. And this is the why news. there's an investigation on Here's him. the good news. The president was falsely accused of conspiracy. The FBI does a 10-month investigation, and James Comey, when we deposed him a year ago, told us at that point they had nothing. You do a 22-month investigation. At the end of that 22 months, you find no conspiracy. And what's the Democrats want to do? They want to keep investigating. They want to keep going. Maybe a better course of action, maybe a better course of action is to figure out how the false accusation started. Maybe it's to go back and actually figure out why Joseph Mifsud was lying to the FBI. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. That's exactly what Bill Barr is doing. And thank goodness for that. That's exactly what the Attorney General and John Durham are doing. They're going to find out why we went through this three-year saga. Yeah, Yeah, okay, so his time was up. But guys, listen. What he said was very important. They had nothing, right? They had nothing. Comey had nothing. Mueller had nothing. They were relying on a false, uh, you know, dossier. They knew it was unverified. You know, he wouldn't even answer the question, when did you know it was unverified, you know, and you were using it? Nothing. 
But the Democrats still want to investigate. Why? Because of what Kelly Armstrong said. So Rep Armstrong, my rep, and, um, you know, he did great, was you guys had a biased team, a team that was pro-Hillary, anti-Trump, and wanted nothing more than to get rid of him, right? And you still failed. And this is why the Democrats are doing, because they're pissed off they're like how could this happen we had all our people on this and we still came up with nothing i mean sometimes you know you dig up someone's anus so hard you're gonna find some rubbish in there something something that's off paper clip a pencil something you're gonna find that you can get into them and pull them out and or just make it look like it's a crime and they still had nothing so this is why they're so foaming at the mouth. And I'll tell you later on today why Adam Schiff is foaming at the mouth. Because guys, what you don't realize is that these sealed indictments are now slowly popping. And we're starting with California. And you know, this water thing, the raid, wait till I tell you what a big party this is going to bring. And I'm just going to make notions because a lot of this is still sealed. Okay, we're talking $70 million worth of still sealed. Uh, So uh, this is why they want constant investigations. This is why they're so obsessed. Okay, this is why they're obsessed because they're losing and they're all going down with that sinking ship that they call Mueller. Now, uh, you know, Collins made a great statement and I want to play it quickly. And I want you to listen to what Mueller's response was and that is the most shocking part of it, um, which is, you know, what he said, because he asked, you know, does this investigation just listen? It's 30 seconds. So you're very thorough. You what? In your opinion, very thorough. You listed this yes. out in your yes. report, correct? Yes. yes. Thank you. Is it true? The evidence gathered during your investigation, uh, given the questions that you have just answered, is it true the evidence gathered during your investigation did not establish that the president was involved in the underlying crime related to Russian election interference as stated in volume one, page seven? We found uh, insufficient uh, evidence of uh, uh, the president's culpability. Uh, So that would be a yes. Without, I'm pardon? That would be a yes. Yes. Thank you. So, yeah, so we had a wordsmith a little bit to make it sound like it was insufficient. The answer was yes. We didn't find anything that said that President Trump was meddling, that President Trump was involved with Russia collusion. Oh, and by the way, guys, I'm still listening to Ray's testimony. Uh, You know, Ray's got me all worked up. Like, I was hot under the collar, even though I've been working on this huge story and um, that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, (laughs) He got me so hot under the collar while I was trying to multitask and listen to him that I had to turn it off. I I was like fuming. I went out to my backyard to have a cigarette and I was just talking to my dog. Oh, by the way, it's a white dog, a great Pyrenees. So I'm racist apparently because I have a white dog. Um, and I was just fuming because he was sitting there saying, yeah, you know, there's still Russia collusion. And it's like, wait a minute, what? I just, I had to turn it off because it was making absolutely no sense. And it was another parade again, because the Democrats are freaking out. So here's where we're going to end on the Mueller 
I'm going to analyze it. Probably I'll pre-record an episode for next week where I'm missing, where I'll go through the whole Mueller testimony, uh, you know, bit by bit. Um, and what I'll do is on a tweet on Monday after my live show on Monday, I will post a tweet uh, where I will tell you every day of that week um, what uh, will be playing on air. Uh, so that way... Uh, you know uh, what is going to be up there. Now, um, I won't be able to upload all of those episodes until later. So, you know, when I get back on uh, Sunday, August the 4th. All right, guys. So let's shift gears. Let's talk about Schiff. Okay, Schiff is in a lot of trouble, guys. Uh, Schiff is in so much trouble, it's ridiculous. So I don't know if you guys, and I'm only going to skim through this because I'm trying to put it together in a way that it makes sense to you. But I've been following, obviously, California, as you know, I'm like eyeballing Pelosi assets, Schiff assets, Maxine Waters, who's now starting to talk again. And someone would wonder, where was she all this time? Why is she talking now? Um, I've been following... Uh, you know, their financial assets, where they're moving, kind of like how I told you about this container uh, company that Pelosi had. And then suddenly it was stopped in Australia with like three tons of meth. You remember that a couple days after I said it? Well, <laughs> so this water fiasco is just incredible. So a few months ago, so we're talking April, two city attorneys resigned, right? Um, two city attorneys resigned uh, from, uh, L, uh, you know, the L.A., um, th from the city uh, of L.A., they resigned, city attorneys, and there are only, uh, there was only one, Fuhrer, wait, this is key, uh, that, you know, has been vocal. We had the president of the Water Commission totally out there, right? He is, um, he was interim, not full, uh, and now he's also been fired and replaced instantly. And one would think, mm, what's going on? The FBI raided them. They took computer. They also went to the city's attorney's office. The city attorney's office, not only the ones that were fired, right? But the one that is still there. And you're going to be like, okay, well, what happened? Okay, I'm going to take you back into time. Now we're talking during the Obama regime. There were a lot of people in California complaining. They put complaints to the mayor of LA, Mayor Eric Garcetti, who even had the cojones to tweet out yesterday, oh, a message for all the angelenos here in Los Angeles were not going to be coordinating with ICE. Dude, you are really pushing the envelope. Why? 2015, there was a mass complaint from L.A. residents saying that they were being charged a lot of money for water. So, you know, there was a settlement. There was a court case. Price Waterhouse Cooper was running the, uh, you know, the, the software for billing them. And it was just a hot, stinking mess. Turns out these two city attorneys that did the settlement or whatever, um, were linked with two specific law firms, one in Beverly Hills, which by the way, that law firm is also linked to Adam Schiff and one in New York, which by the way is also linked to Adam Schiff. And you know, this settlement, there was $70 million. It was like 60, I think it's up to 68 and a half million dollars to be exact, but we're saying about $70 million. Poof, gone which was being labeled as paying settlements for water, but 
it didn't really go there. So what happened? Like, who are these people on the board? Where did this $70 million go? And who was getting it? Like, what happened? So the only thing I will tell you is that in the past three months, there have been multiple firings. A lot of people stepping down, big names within the commission, all of them that are Democrats, by the way, all of them that have worked in some shape or form with Adam Schiff. Okay. And now the FBI raided everything. This is why lately Adam Schiff looks really, really worried because what people don't seem to understand, you know, the FBI isn't really talking about anything. There's no indictment that's sealed that's been popped. The mayor's in the dark. I'm telling you what's happening. All of these people are going down because remember, I've always said, follow the money, right? Well, here is where the money is going to grab them by the cat, right? And take them down. Because this is how you end corruption. And you have to think, how has all this money been disappearing? Who's paying for it? And where did this bailout of money of taxpayer dollars to pay this discrepancy of overpayment? So if you were overpaid, you obviously had money, you know, where to go? And how are all these green ecological deals for water and conservation and whatever, you know, being spent, but nothing's happening. I mean, in the past, you know, um, a month, we've had two alerts in California of really toxic blue algae. But didn't you already get funds, Water Division, to deal with that situation in California? Where'd that money go? This is all coming to fruition because, you know, there's a lot of ways that people can skim money from private organizations, right? Which usually have insurance and whatnot and it's back. And, you know, criminal division doesn't really look at BS things like $300, $500, even $10,000, okay? Anything under $10,000 is like BS, complete BS. But if it is $1, just one, one of federal tax money, one of any taxpayer, state, city, whatever, that is out of place, you are going down harder than, you know, a a rock in a vacuum. (laughs) You are going to be completely annihilated. And this is where it leads back to, remember how Planned Parenthood was getting like $60 million worth of federal tax dollars? Could you imagine Adam Schiff If something came up to show that this federal tax money that was going to like supposedly the settlement of water that never went to the settlement of this water dispute actually went to like charities or companies, you know, like little kids or something, um, that's what's happening right now. So all we have to do is wait. But again, I've said this before. We've got sealed indictments across the nation. It's not just L.A. My state's got over 500 of them sealed. And if you want to hear about corruption of misuse of federal tax dollars, look no further than the reddest state there is. This is how corrupt politicians make money. They don't use your money or steal from your pocket directly from your private bank account. Maybe they'll overcharge you. But it's the federal grants, the federal awards, the state taxpayer money that gets misused this is where you can hold them to the highest standard and put them away for a very long time i'll see you guys all in just a bit after this break
town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper, they grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to their necks. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. real news welcome everyone welcome back to the tory says show this is the second hour we are not going to talk about Mueller. the only thing we're going to say on Mueller um is the president's most amazing tweet that was just tweeted out like less than a minute ago which is i would like to thank the democrats for holding this morning's hearing now after three hours robert Mueller has to subject himself to shifty Schiff, an embarrassment to our country which by the way devin nunez was sitting right next to Schiff. Schiff who's in a lot of hot water with this whole raid of the water division in L.A. More to come on that. It will be unfolding slowly. Well, (laughs) he's talking about leaking and the leaker's sitting right next to him. So it's hilarious. All right, guys. So, you know, share this to anyone you know wants to know about the terrorists in our halls of Congress. Today, you are going to have an even deeper insight into who Ilhan Omar, if that's really your name, which is not, really is. Now, I've told you that she committed fraud to come into this country way before anyone reported that, right? And I've told you that she's used the false date of birth, a false name. And of course, the narrative is, is that she, her name is Ilhan Nur Said Elmi, which is also false. It is not. Okay. The Elmis are Kenyan. She is not Kenyan. Okay. I'm telling you this. Now, I've been speaking to a lot of, um, Sources. I have sources in uh, most Middle Eastern nations, um, more so for political and energy related things, you know, that I use as um, variables in order to predict geopolitical um, outcomes. So I've been speaking to a lot of think tanks and one specifically in Egypt because they used to be one of the biggest and strongest uh, Muslim Brotherhood organizations up until four years ago where Erdogan's most favorite, you know, president of Egypt died and he was like dying on the floor and no one helped him. Right. You know how he complained about that. Right. Oh, which, by the way, I just wanted to say. No one's got any confirmation if Erdogan is alive or dead. I'm telling you this now. Now it is spread to more, um, you know, concrete um, uh, press. Uh, People are asking. No one is talking. And, um, you know, Turkish media is silent. 
Like they will not talk. Uh, people are asking questions. The only thing we saw was that Erdogan was one of the first people supposedly that congratulated um, Boris Johnson on his win. And that was through Twitter. But we all know that presidents and stuff don't really only tweet their own stuff. I mean, our president does, but I'm pretty sure that Dan Scavino has access and he tweets stuff for him too. So the bottom line is Erdogan may indeed be dead. Uh, you know, no one has come forward from any official authority to refute this in the past. So many times when rumors like this happen, he either appears or, you know, the press appears and says it's rubbish, you know, if he's sick to kind of delay it. I'm telling you guys, something is super up. Obviously, we saw the missiles flying between Syria and them. Suddenly, this strong opposition, and it's probably because it's Afke, right, the vice president that's making these moves, which I told you is even more dangerous than Erdogan. Erdogan has been submitted to a lot of SJW type, you know, one world, one government thing. He's actually advocated to try to get his country into the European Union, hoping that he can, uh, you know, create his own jihad through a new strategy, which I will be bringing to you with Laura Loomer soon. We will be working on this, uh, you know, and um, and explaining it to you. Now, I'm going to play a clip. It's in a different language. So you'll hear the different language, then I'll mute it and I'll tell you what it's saying and then I'll tweet it out. It is from a think tank group in um, Egypt because now we have foreign nations asking why Ilhan Omar is connected to Turkey. I kid you not. So this is a very huge deal. Also, I just wanted to say I'm actually kind of proud of myself, okay? So here's where I toot my horn to my listeners um, because I'm really proud of myself. You know, every time that I put work together, I make sure that anything that may be of importance to national security that I mail it off. Um, nine times out of ten, I usually send these tips anonymously uh, because I don't know who opens the mail or who gets it. So I'm very, very careful how it's sent Um you know, even though, you know, they could probably trace it back, like maybe, you know, check the saliva on the envelope that licks it or fingerprints. But I try to keep my anonymity only because, again, I don't know who's opening this. I don't know who's receiving it, but I have no problem owning that I did it. And I say that I did it now that I've accomplished it. So as I've told you, looking into Ilhan Omar, I found who she is, where she comes from, who she's associated with and what's up. Now, what if I told you that during the Obama administration, there was a legit terror cell, terrorist group that is actually considered a terrorist group, but it's classified now, right? The only place that I could find it was one public place, and it, it relates to the military, and this is why I can expose it. Otherwise, you have to know this. So it was sealed, so that name of the cell, you know, the terrorist group was sealed. I could tell you what, this is one of the most covert terrorist groups on the planet. And guess where it derives from? You guessed it, the Horn of Africa. It operates in Kenya, Somalia, and Liberia only. And that is where it was found. Actually, it was found centralized in Kenya. It goes by a specific name, something that looks completely benign, but you know, they changed the name from that benign name. So that way it's not tainted. Why? Because we have one of those organizations almost in every 
state. And here's the thing. What was the goal of this organization? The goal of this organization is to recruit young Muslims to be trained in the goal of jihad. But this jihad isn't, let's take machetes and start slaughtering people. No, no, no. This jihad is, let's migrate and convert. And those that refuse to convert, we put our foot down and do. Now, this group, this mm, terrorist organization, guess who was part of that? You guessed it. Ilhan. Ilhan was part of it. And not only that, her real name, her real name, which will be revealed, indicates that her real father is one of the top leaders of this group, which is also now linked to Al-Shabaab. And that's how they operate. So this is really important that you understand this. This is how huge it is. But I just got news from Somali news that they were advised by the United Nations that that there is a terror group. Hold on and I'll and I'll and I'll read the translation of it. Give me a second. Without naming the group yet, it says, although this, okay, blah, 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 which was established in 2008, um, which was the new name, obviously, they established, is extensively interconnected with Shabab, Al-Shabab. They're both organized and um, both an organization and operational. This is what the State Department said. Oh, and mind you, they said this on July 20th. Um, and it's described to be primarily of Kenyan and Somali, um, persons and, um, you know, openly engaged in recruiting, uh, in Kenya, uh, for Al-Shabaab and they actually facilitate, um, travel, uh, for members of, um, Al-Shabaab members to Somalia and Kenya for terrorism purposes. And they also facilitate and promote and help send, these members overseas to infiltrate and enact in uh, purposes of terrorism. Now, the State Department doesn't say it explicitly, they said, but this group also played a super role on the external operations of Shabab. Um, yeah, because it is the group that is the founding of Shabab. And I've told you that Ilhan Omar's family were her real family were the founders of Al Shabab. Her clan is Al Shabab. Al Shabab, the um, revolution, as they would say, was created for this, but it was derived from and in accordance to this specific terrorist cell that was created in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, changed its name in 2008 by the Obama administration and then sealed and not discussed or labeled anywhere where you can see. Do you remember how uh, Ilhan Omar was upset and how CARE had been saying, well, you have a list of terrorists and you don't give us a list of terrorist groups. They're all classified. Classified because we don't want people to know. Yeah, probably because some of them, we don't want them to know that we know they exist, but this one they already know we know they exist but Obama made sure that was buried I'm telling you this so I've already sent all this information two weeks ago so apparently there was a UN report from a UN monitoring group in regards to the Al-Shabaab terrorist attack over two weeks ago not the one that just happened a couple days ago the one right before it the last weekend not this weekend that passed the last one before that and 
it talked about this specific group that helped put together this terrorist attack um, for Al-Shabaab. And specifically because there was a journalist from Can- from Canada, and I'm going to pull up this article on lauralumer.us, um, which went there, okay, now, remember this, okay? She's a journalist. You remember the Canadian journalist that died and no one was talking about? Right. So she actually went to Somalia to go and tell people of uplifting stories that there's no terrorism. It's beautiful. The people are great. Everything's rosy and the best. And guess what? She ended up getting killed by what? Terrorists. Kind of like those those people that are like, oh, there's nothing wrong here. Taliban are really cool. And then they get hacked up. Kind of like that. So this woman was literally hacked up. She was, she, she was exploded or fired on, whatever. She's dead. Bottom line is she's dead. Uh, trying to prove that Somalia is a great place to live. Okay. We need to make sure we point that out. Okay. Pointing it out. So terrorism. Huge problem in the Middle East, huge problem for us. But our problem is the terrorist within our halls of Congress. Now we have Rashida to believe raging Rashida, deport him. Like she was going to deport President Trump when he was not President Trump because she tweeted that out in 2015. Who does she think she is? She's just a terrorist sympathizer who gets her talking points and is told what she can say from Ilhan Omar. And again, is that her real name? It's not. So just so people understand and we can set this up correctly because I want you guys to just realize how horrific the situation with Ilhan Omar is, is obviously there was a air quote Freudian slip where she referred to her country as Somalia and not the United States. One would say, oh, you know, maybe whatever this, that, oh, she can have, you know, her love for the other country. You know, there's a lot of people that say that. I I kid you not. They say that. And, you know, you have to wonder why, why would you allow that? So I'm going to read to you guys, read to you guys what oath she took when she became an American citizen. And I'm going to pause, right, so we can listen to what her words say, okay, before anything. So the oath is, I hereby declare an oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potent state or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore been a subject or citizen. Wait a minute. So her oath said that she needs to reject, she needs to reject and not have any alliance or allegiance with any other nation but the one that she is swearing an oath to be a subject of, correct? Am am I wrong? That's exactly what she's saying, right? But what we understand now is that's not the case because we have Ilhan Omar um, talking about another country. I'll just play a little clip for you quickly where she talks about her country back home. In 2016, this election cycle, and you guys have the ability to make an impact on where our nation is headed, not only here in the United States, but even in our nation back home. 
back home. In Wait a minute. What do you mean in your nation back home? So which one's your home? The United States or Somalia? You have to think of that. Uh, which one is her home? So how does this work? How does it work that you have two homes and two loyalties? It doesn't. That's not the way this works. I know for a fact, I'll tell you what guys, when, not when I joined the Navy, I didn't have to because I was actually a minor and you only do this after you're 18. But I had, um, the, um, I had the ability to have dual citizenship because of my parents. I actually had a, you know, denounce it and say, I don't want it, you know, to serve in the other capacity out, you know, post-military that I did. So it was very important to them that I, you know, did that on paper, even though I never claimed it, never used it. Um, well, I mean, it was a benefit because I didn't have to like, you know, show passports in a lot of countries at a younger age. But, um, you know, I had to actually do that in writing. Because it's very important. It's a, it's a stipulation. Like for me, I'm very sympathetic um, to the Greeks. I'm very sympathetic to Greece. I love it. I know that I'm going to retire there only to make my dollar stretch longer. And like who wouldn't want to be on the beach, right? Um, but I'm very sympathetic to it. And to be honest with you, if I was ever assigned, I would first ask to be recused because I have a soft spot, right? But on the other hand, the U.S. would come first, never Greece, unfortunately, because that is my oath, right? Unfortunately, for someone that's listening to me that says, how could you? You're a Greek. You have Greek blood in you. The thing is, I'm an American first, and I serve my country first, and this is my nation. That is my heritage, and that is, you know, what someone would call hometown of your soul, but um, or your being, or your culture, or whatever, but <laughs> this is my nation. This is the one that I defend. This is the one that comes first because it's always America first. Kind of like I would expect any Greekman, Frenchman, Italianman to say Italy first, French, France first, Greece first, you know, which they're not doing because obviously they're no longer sovereign and they're Europe first. But anyway, let's not poke fun at them for doing that. You know, uh, ignorance is bliss sometimes, right? So we have Ilhan Omar clearly saying that... Um, she has uh, an allegiance to another nation, which is a violation of oath. This oath also says, and I, and I read it to you, I will support and defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. So first of all, she is not supporting and defending the Constitution. She is actually supporting and defending notions to eliminate portions of our constitutions. She is also not upholding the laws of the United States of America because she committed immigration fraud coming into the United States, posed as a minor, and then further broke the law by enjoying benefits that were only afforded to refugees that were minors. So she's broken the law. And then this whole marriage my brother didn't marry my brother cultural bigamy also breaking the law tax fraud also breaking the law so you know she's already violated all portions of this this is like 75% of your oath the last portion is is that I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces of the United States of America when required by law so if you are drafted to work for the United States armed forces but not as a combatant meaning you're not going to go out there with a gun but maybe do paperwork and 
Um, or, you know, you know how you see in the movies where this biologist is sitting and, you know, oh, it's like aliens are invading and then she's sitting there with a kid playing Monopoly and then boom, 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 you are hereby requested to serve your country. And, but I'm just a professor in biology and it's like, come over here and, you know, they take her away. That's part of your oath of being a U.S. citizen, that you will provide your services. Like, for example, let's pretend aliens came from outer space. So let's pretend, right? What would they do? First of all, they're going to try to communicate. So what are they going to do? They're going to get the best linguists on the planet. And I would like to think that I'm considered one of them <laughs> because, you know, I do get pulled for some really crazy um, linguistic projects like, you know, emerald tablets, um, scrolls. I've done a lot of that stuff. That's super cool. Um, you know, and languages that have never been seen. Because like I said, my Rain Man power is being to identify all 181 written languages of this planet. So I can look at something and tell you that's that language or if it's not that language and it's something made up I could tell you what languages it encompasses that's like my rain man ability okay so that is what a non-combat you know service when you are requested by the law to do so okay so that's that. And it further says that I will perform work of national importance under civilian direction when required by law. So they will also do work like this biologist that was nabbed from her house, you know, to, you know that's of national importance as required by law. For me, if some, you know, I, I do this a lot. There's a, someone at some port, not only for the United States, you know, um, but there's someone that is coming into the airport, coming in through our border, and they're not sure if the passport is real. And before they can check it out because of the hour they call people and they say how can you test if this person is really that citizen and there I am on the telephone or on Skype asking very specific questions to determine that that's what I do like my paying job right and this is where I'm called for national importance obviously they pay me for that and it's done through like vendors but I actually do that that is an, a, an example so Ilhan Omar is supposed to be serving this country she should be on the ready to work for the armed forces if she needed with her specialty which is what and then she should also be doing national importance work as um, under civilian direction, you know, um, if needed by law. And that um, she takes this oath freely. No one forced her, right? Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, so help me God. No. She she has not upheld any portion of that oath except for the parts that haven't been enacted, which is requesting her to work for the armed services because we're under threat or asking her to work under civilian directions for national importance because we're not under threat so no one has called her for that so that's the only portion of the oath that we can't say she violated every other single section she has because it clearly says that you're taking this oath with no mental reservation or purpose of evasion and yes she does have a purpose of evasion. There is a very, jihad is a very multifaceted, okay? I'm not saying all Muslims are bad, but there are portions of religions that are weaponized. Kind of like I said, Catholicism was actually weaponized in Europe in order to create empires, in order to keep people in check, in order to keep the kings where they are and they would off with their head because God said so or the Pope is going to tell us what to do kind of thing. And the same thing happened in Islam. You know, there were portions in the Quran that you can read where, um, you know, migration, for example, was talked about and Muhammad fled or his people fled because they wanted to leave from being persecuted. Right. So the Muslims would escape to not be persecuted. And that's understandable. You migrate for a better life always. Right. You migrate for a better life. 
And, you know, he migrated and because he was being persecuted or his people were, it clearly states that. That's a, that's a good, you know, reason. I mean, the apostles, right, from Jesus, they migrated because they were being persecuted. But as they migrated, they spread the word and they just kept going. They didn't force it down people's throat. They would spread the word and keep the same thing for Muhammad, guys. I'm being honest. Like, he didn't force people down his throat like, oh, let's build a mosque right here because I came here. No, no, no. He would talk, he would preach, whatever. But he again said, migration is for the purpose to leave persecution. Well, what if I told you that that actual phrase has been weaponized by a specific group, a specific terrorist group, a very specific group that has now just come back to the surface that I have been working on for weeks and I am so proud to see it resurface. There's a specific term of this weaponization and the whole plan is to do what? Migrate to infiltrate. Migrate to infiltrate. That is exactly it. That is a form of jihad. And here's what I'm going to leave you with before we break. And before we get even into more Ilhan Omar and substantiating this claim, CARE was created in the 90s, not 2000, not after 9-11, like Ilhan Omar said. Their goal was to increase uh, Muslim country importations. Now, I want you to pay attention to how CARE cooperates with a very specific youth group. And that um, is very related to what I said earlier without saying what I said earlier. Um, and their goal is to, you know, bring these refugees here for a better life. Well, isn't it funny that the majority of these refugees all come from Kenya, Somalia, and Liberia, specifically Kenya and Somalia. And, you know, there's a tweet that I tweeted out yesterday that I found of Ilhan Omar telling someone that she's going to deport Americans herself because she has rights. And that article was referring to the mayor of a main town. Well, that mayor was right in 2012. And after the break, I'll tell you why. Because this is how you can see how the jihad happens. I mean, we see it in Minneapolis, but we'll get to that right after the break. I'll see you all in a bit. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
plus it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. So, um... Where were we? We were at the point where we were discussing how this terrorist has made it to the White House and how uh, there are a lot of people asking a lot of questions, how a person like her can have closed door meetings uh, with uh, Turkey. So right now I'm going to retweet this and I am going to play it for you. But at the same time, I'm going to then mute it once they start speaking and tell you exactly what this Egyptian think tank uh, is saying. Because it's not just in the United States. Um, it's, uh, it's worldwide. They want to know worldwide how this is happening. And so the question in English um, at, the, at the top of their tweet is, how did she get in Congress by Erdogan? What is her agenda. I just retweeted it on Twitter at Tori underscore says. Now I'm going to start this video. And like I said, and oh, by the way, people that are um, tagged in this are all people of Arab nations. Um, we're talking like Kuwait. Uh, we're talking Saudi Arabia, United Emirates, because this is a very big deal. Here we go. Let's play this. Play, play. It's like they don't want me to play it. <laughs> Hold on. Let's see. It's not. It says watch it on YouTube. Let's click it. For some reason, Twitter won't allow to play it. So if you guys can actually follow along, um, that would be great. Let's see. Because this is pretty incredible. And like I've said, there are a lot of people asking the same questions. How did this happen? What is her agenda? And this is coming from Egypt, who are against, uh, they are totally against the Muslim Brotherhood. They don't want it anymore because it's radical Islamic terrorism. And it's not just terrorism for, you know, um, Christians. It's not just terrorism for Jews. It's, not, it's terrorism for even the peaceful Muslims, the people that just want to get on with it. So here we go. I'm going to start it. الأمريكية منذ انتخابها لم يلحظ انشغالها 
سوى بمهاجمة السعودية والإمارات ومصر كشف It's saying that Ilhan Omar is a congresswoman in the U.S., and since she's been in office, she's been attacking, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, um, and the United Emirates. So this is this is a pretty big deal in favor of the axis that includes Turkey and Iran. But how did Turkey play the most prominent role in Ilhan Omar serving in Congress? In September 2017, Ilhan Omar traveled to New York, attending a closed-door meeting with Erdogan. She was not a prominent figure at the time. And it was not known what happened at that meeting, but it came out of the meeting to be a Congress member a year and a half later in parallel to her electoral campaign. Some pro Erdogan media means we're demanding the Turks support Ilhan Omar's campaign in violation to the U.S. federal law that prohibits foreign nationals from donating to political candidates. Ilhan Omar became a congresswoman. However, she was not interested in the issues of American citizens who elected her. But she keeps attacking Arab states in most of her TV interviews. In the midst of her attack on certain countries, Ilhan Omar has never criticized Erdogan's oppression against the Turks or the policies of Iranian regime in support of terrorism. Ilhan Omar, that serves as a puppet to Erdogan, came to implement a specific agenda, like the adherence of the Brotherhood ideology. She is not concerned with the issues of citizens who elected her to Congress. She's concerned of those issues for the Muslim Brotherhood. It is pretty intense, you guys. Like, these people are acknowledging this. These are Arab nations that are acknowledging this. And why? It's because the Arab nations decided that having an Islamist state so oppressive is not, uh, does not provide progress. Like I've said before, if Saudi Arabia or Iraq in the past, we're talking, right? Or um, Kuwait or, you know, the UAE wanted to annihilate us, they would have done it already because they had tons of money to do it and they could have just extinguished us. You know, with, they have solid gold toilets, but they don't want to. Why? Because they realize that um, uh, being a little bit more tolerant and allowing uh, different um, people from different walks of life, um, holding a balance of mutual respect without imposition allows to foster an environment of what? High productivity and innovation. Like we said before on the show, a room of 10 people all wearing khakis, all believing the same thing, given one problem to solve, they may come up with one solution that they would all have to agree on. Yet in a room of 10 individuals that are all different uh, walks of life, different culture, different religion, different educational background, you give them that same problem, they will come up with like 100 solutions within like 10 minutes. And they won't all have to agree. They'll just make a list of them and then they'll all, you know, kind of uh, pull back and forth. That is how you get innovation. But see, like they said, there is an underlying agenda. And, you know, Laura Loomer has been talking about the Muslim Brotherhood. But I'm telling you, the Muslim Brotherhood and this specific terrorist group, this specific terrorist group, which is which has been deemed a terrorist group back in 2008, it was deemed a terrorist group. And then again in 2013 and 14, and they were teaching that at the war colleges and now it was sealed, now we're bringing it back up, had that specific notion in mind. 
which is to spread Islam, but not the Islam of what Muhammad's teachings were in, in, in their actual, you know, sense, kind of like the Bible it didn't say sell your daughter, right? It was, it is radicalized. It is weaponized. Listen to what Ilhan Omar calls biased questions. It's incredible. Appalling questions. She says it's appalling to ask her if she needs to refute terrorist groups. Horrible, right? To make a statement against FGM because that's an issue um, in Detroit. It would be really powerful if the two Muslim congresswomen, yourself and Rashida, would make a statement on this issue. Thanks. Your second question is an appalling question because I, I always feel like there are bills that we vote on, um, bills we sponsor, um, many statements we put out, and then we're in, um, in a panel like this, and the question is posed, could you and Rashida do this? And it's like, how often should I make a schedule? Like, does this need to be on repeat every five minutes? Should I be like, so today I forgot to condemn Al-Qaeda. Uh, so here's the Al-Qaeda But one. she's today never done I it. I forgot to condemn FGM. So here it goes. Today I forgot to condemn Hamas. So here it goes. Today I forgot. You know, I mean, I, I, it is... Um, a very frustrating question. It comes up. You can look at my record. I voted for bills um, doing exactly what you're uh, asking me to do. I have. Okay, so I'm going to stop it right there. I want you guys um, to know that this is on Now This. Um, I will retweet it. You just need to look at Ilhan Omar's face when she is looking at the person that asked her that question so kindly. And again, the question was legit. It was honest. It was sincere. I mean, you are a Muslim and you guys practice this. You abide by Sharia law and you practice this. So say something on it. Like FGM is a big problem in Michigan. Remember uh, that was happening. And then the federal court said it was a religious thing. And the guy got off mutilating babies vaginas. You know, this is something that she should answer. Yet she's never answered the question. Will you condemn Hamas? Will you condemn Hezbollah? Will you condemn Al Qaeda, Al Shabaab? No. Instead, she has done nothing of that sort. She has supported those notions. They have come out to attack the United States and all Arab nations that are West-leaning, as she would call. And this is because of who she is, guys. You don't seem to understand. She is not related to the Elmies. She is not related, blood-related to the Elmies. They are Kenyan. Look at, you know, flamboyant Elmi. He's in Kenya. Where did her sister go? Kenya. That's where they live. They're Kenyans. They are not Somalis. But Ilhan is of a very specific race of Somali that all hail from derivatives of Arab nations, either that be most of them being Yemen. And they founded they found it. Like I have the name, her real daddy's name. I've got it. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work with Laura on this um, to put it out because she's been saying it. And, you know, Laura herself, just by herself with whatever crowdsourcing fund she's had, right? Whatever crowdsourcing fund she has found more collusion and Chris Berg put that perfectly the other day on his show more collusion in like a week 
on Ilhan Omar than Mueller did with millions, you know, $38 million and, you know, two years of a bogus witch hunt. And, you know, Chris, when he introduced the stuff where I put out that she is colluding with a foreign government because this is what I need to do. See, when you tell people something, you can't just drop a bomb on their head and say, this is it. Because then you're coined a conspiracy theorist. And mind you, one of my recorded episodes, we'll talk about how that term came about and why it came about. So it'll be next week. My pre-recorded episodes for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday will be super fun to listen to because it'll give you more of a, a a groundwork for you to understand how and why everything is happening the way it's happening now uh, because the past always proves the future so again we cannot drop a bomb on you and say this is who Ilhan is no we've got to walk you through so I walked you through telling you how she's been having closed door meetings with multiple presidents of hostile nations. Now we have the Arab nations questioning her relationships and you have to ask why. I've also told you how Turkey has invested in Somalia, millions upon millions upon millions in infrastructure and military. I've also told you how they have just signed a defense agreement with Libya in Tripoli that we we know is the strongest hold of the four nations that now uphold the Muslim Brotherhood principle. Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, Hamas, and all these other terror cells all fall under the Muslim Brotherhood. All of them. And then you have to ask yourself, how is Ilhan Omar, well, what's her plan? And this is where it's going to come out because you're going to see that it's not just her. It is many care. Why are we only having Lutheran social services import Somalis and Kenyans? Why don't we go to, I don't know, Algeria? Or why don't we go to, I don't know, Ghana or Nigeria? Why don't we go there? Why don't we go to South Africa where the black Christians and the white Christians that are South Africans are being persecuted? Why not remove the white people from South Africa that are being beheaded and slaughtered every day just because of the color of their skin? Why? Why aren't we going to impoverished nations like Sri Lanka or, you know, Goa in India or Kashmir and bringing those people that are being persecuted there? Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan. Why? Why are we so focused on importing Somalis? I'll tell you why. And I'll give you an example. Remember that tweet that I tweeted out yesterday about Ilhan Omar saying, we will deport you. Why will deport you? She's telling Americans that the Somalis are going to deport them. Here's what happened in 2012. The mayor of Lewiston, Maine said that they need to park their, you know, cultural stuff at the door when they come to the United States. How racist, how this, he was chased out at that point. Just so you guys know, Lewiston, Maine only had about 20, thousand just under 25,000 residents it was like a simple little town and come on guys what do you think of when you think of Maine right because this is the next article that we're putting up we were working it last night with Laura what do you think of you think of lobsters you think of tall trees creepy disgusting SJW freaky Stephen King stories right you know plaid shirts that's what you think of snow right Mm -mm. in Lewiston it's no longer like that 
There is an article on their local paper where it clearly says, oh, the smell of goat and, you know, colorful clothing fills the air and th- some things like foo-foo flowers, you know, I, I, I kid you not. I've literally took the de- expert out. Now, statistically, I just want you guys to know, it's now 2019, right? And I just pulled the stats this morning, so I have to update the article. Thank goodness we didn't publish it. There are now 52,000 residents in Lewiston, Maine. 48% are Somali, okay, or Kenyan, with a few like from Congo supposedly or whatever, which is BS, because all those Congo people were supposedly in Kenya camps and then came, you know, it's BS. They're all from there. So they now are there. Lewiston, Maine, no longer looks like Maine. When you go to Lewiston, you have the smells, the aromas, and the people, and the thout on the street that you would find in Somalia. That is what you see. So here's the question. As I myself, being a child of immigrants, how come the Greeks didn't come to the United States and demand that they make the United States look like Greece. I mean, if you go to Astoria, New York, which is, you know, high Greek population, yeah, you'll see restaurants, you know, like Zorba's or whatever. You'll see uh, pastry shops, you know, that have dainty pastries that the Greeks love. Uh, You'll find a lot of Greek restaurants, but in no shape or form will you see Greece on the streets. Do you know what I mean? You won't see them dominating the area. Obviously, Astoria, New York is now, you know, uh, immensely populated with a variety of people. I, you know, I can, I can say as a Greek American, you know, Astoria was my pit stop, right? I would uh, go there. I was also in a program that, um, you know, New York City had put me in, in Astoria to go to school for nerdy kids at the age of five. But, you know, and so I kind of lived it. I did go to church um, after school. They would pick me up and take me to church. I was raised by nuns and priests. I can tell you back then they used to use the ruler and smack my hand and smack my tush when I would do wrong. Uh, but they never demanded that our nation change their face or accommodate them. Right. I have children and I observe Greek Orthodox holidays when it is Easter. uh, You know, I can't demand things to happen, though. I know as my right. I can say, hey, at my own expense, I'm not going to be working these days because it's, um, you know, Holy Thursday, Good Friday for me. And then it's um, Easter Sunday and the day after Easter. So I take unpaid time off um, to observe that I don't demand my employer to pay me. As for my children, when they leave school, I tell my kids from the week before, make sure you tell your school, I will tell them that you're not going to be there, but I'm not asking for leniency that they don't do homework. I ask the teachers to provide them the homework in advance so that they can get it done, right? So they can get it done. So they're up to date with their, no changing the laws. And this happens with everyone. The Jews never ask Congress to allow them to wear their head coverings ever. There are Russians that are Russian Orthodox and some of them do wear head coverings. I, I kid you not. And Greek Orthodox, like the really strict ones, right? But they usually just wear them in church, but some of them like to wear it outside too. Um, it's a cultural thing, right? Uh, they've been in Congress before, never demanded that they oversee a 180 year old rule and wear it in there because they know that you park your culture and your religion at the door when you enter the halls of Congress. But this did not happen with Ilhan Omar, did it? 
And so the questions arise as to who is she? So I thought before we start a little bit more on that, I think it's important that, um, you know, we play a clip as to what the Israeli ambassador had to say about um, Ilhan Omar um, visiting uh, Israel with um, Rashida. Take a listen. With you. The president was tweeting on the squad today. He said, quote, the squad is a very racist group of troublemakers, young and experienced, not very smart. They're pulling the once great Democrat Party far left. We're against humanitarian aid at the border, now against ICE and Homeland Security, so bad for the country. Sir, we've got Rashida Tlaib and Omar, uh, Representative Omar going to Israel in a few weeks, if not next month. Uh, you're taking all of this, what the president is saying. So I can speak about uh, Israel and anti-Semitism. It is very troubling to hear what they are saying about Jews in America, what they are saying about Israel, calling to boycott Israel, the strongest democracy, the strongest ally of the U.S., that's what they want to do. Actually, I'm happy that they are coming to Israel. Maybe they will get a chance to learn something, because when I read their comments, their tweets, I see the, the ignorance. I think it is about time that they will learn the history, and they will come and see a, a democracy in action when they come to Israel. What's the reaction inside Israel to this, these two individuals, these two representatives? So there was a debate whether we should allow them to come in or not, because we know they come to get the, the PR, to make a show, not really to learn, unfortunately. But we will allow them to, to enter the country. Uh, we, we will be able to show them, hopefully, the, the best. But uh, I think they will come and they will continue to incite against Israel from Israel. Does anybody in the media there ask them, why are you not standing up for the democracy that is Israel, given that Israel is surrounded by so many enemies that are not democracies? I think it's before the debate. You need to know the facts and history before you're having a debate. I think they don't have the basics. So maybe it's good that they come, maybe they can learn something, maybe they should read a little bit about the history of Israel, about the strength of our democracy, before criticizing us. Okay, the BDS movement would destabilize Israel, is that correct? Uh, that's a threat, okay. you know, boycotting Israel. You know, we help so many countries. Our technology helps so many Americans. So you want to boycott what we invent in Israel? It's ridiculous. And Representative Talib and Representative Omar support the BDS resolution that just came up in Congress. Let's move on to Iran, claiming it broke up a CIA aspiring 17... Okay, let's stop it there. So, okay, so Israel's like, they were debating whether to let them in. I would have said no. I'm being honest. I would have said no, because they're coming and asking for it completely. Now, we all know that they're going to meet with the um, Palestinians, right? They're all going to be there to report on atrocious things. Uh, they're all going to paint a picture of, and they already know that they're going to do this, but they're coming there with ignorance. No, they're coming fully aware of what they're doing. They are hoping that there are hostilities. They want to show that the Israelis are hostile. That is why they are going. This is why I would have said no. I would have said, you know, you can go through Jordan and maybe cross the border. <laughs> you know, go that way. You're not coming through here. You can go to the place uh, where the Palestinians are. You can go to Palestine. Uh, go another way. You're not coming through here. That's what I would have said. A hundred percent. I would have not allowed them to enter. Yet Israel has um, allowed them to come, which means that they will reinforce security for them. And they are probably already asking Israelis to not do anything, which is horrific. 
horrific. Uh, hopefully there are peaceful protests to show, but then on the other hand, if you have a peaceful protest, then it also shows that, um, you know, nobody uh, likes Muslims or they're attacking them or they're this or they're that. So this is uh, super conflicting for me that they are going to Israel. Um, you know, I don't agree with everything Israel does, 100%, right? There are good and bad just in every nation, just like we have in ours. We've got a lot of really evil, nefarious, satanic, satanic people. And when people realize that this is a spiritual warfare and realize that Ilhan Omar and all of these terrorists, they're not, it's not a matter of race and color because our article that's going to be going up soon will show you what her family and what her community think of black people, what they think of white people. Do you know that Somalis hate African Americans? Do you know that they loathe the NAACP? Do you know that their skin crawls knowing that they are considered black? Because they hate them. They use really racist commentary. And it was really hard for me to dig in and find commentary that did not include the N-word. Um, but I found other that were more PG to demonstrate just how much. Not only they hate blacks, not only they hate whites, but that they hate this nation. There was also a statement by one of them that said, well, you know, uh, you do you guys remember when Ilhan Omar complained that in D.C. some Uber driver was racist to her and called her ISIS and to take that thing off her head? Right. So that was a Smullett attempt that backfired because she went on Matto, cried about it, did a post about it, and then she she wouldn't be able to reach for comment. Why? Because the Uber driver turned out to be an Ethiopian. And, and Ethiopians to Somalis are the enemies. Why? Because back in the 80s, right, as everyone was migrating and technology was growing and we had hands across America and Ethiopians are so broke and they're all hungry and there's no water, they were migrating. And what did they do? I've told you this before. Ethiopians are Christians. Well, this comment literally says Ethiopians are freaking disgusting, blah, 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 Christians. And then one, uh, you know, a constituent of Omar said, uh, you know, I, I don't like Al-Shabaab, whatever. I would totally blow them up in a heartbeat. But I'd prefer a small terrorist group as opposed to any Christian in Somalia or any Christian around me. I hate Christians. And it's like, then why did you move to a country that is based on judeo-christian values ha so that will be more of an eye-opening so as the days progress uh you know we will be discussing this more because i'm walking you through exactly what the hidden agenda is and who she really is and of course we won't see her arrested anytime soon it'll be closer to 2020 because now she's the face of the democrats she is the one that everyone is propping up and that no matter what side of the aisle you sit on, a terrorist is a terrorist, and they will not survive. This will be the end of the Democratic Party, and it's all about how you unravel it. So surely it will happen, and we will show you how it will happen, and we will tell you who the real Ilhan Omar is. From all of us here, Red State, God bless. See you tomorrow.
small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper, they grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there. 